The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you ever stopped to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful to be here with and for you today. You are all part of a global community with fellow listeners in literally every corner of the world. Thank you for being here with and for me and for continuing to spread the word to your friends, relatives, and colleagues. A special note of gratitude goes to our listeners around the world in the countries of Monaco, Iran, and Finland, and in the states of West Virginia, South Dakota, and California. Welcome and thank you all for your continuing support because you keep tuning in and listening. Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit is and has been since the beginning a top-ranked show here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the oldest and most widely listened to online talk Radio Network. Thank you for listening and making this show success possible. I love hearing from you, so please keep sending me your questions and comments. March must be my lucky month because not only did it mark three years of my being your radio show host, but it was also my first month as a columnist for the newly launched publication, Dallas Yoga Magazine. It's in print and on the internet. As Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, I'll be answering your questions in my column titled, Ask Dr. Paula. Please click on the Ask Dr. Paula email link on this page to send me an email with your questions. I'll answer them on the air or in the magazine. You can go to DallasYogaMagazine.com for my March and April columns and all future columns. Please let me know what you think. And now for your tip for the week from my ebook, 33 Tips for Self-Empowerment. I wrote this book because when you are self-empowered, you are connected to your limitless higher self, your soul. As you learn to hear the still, small voice within over the loud voices of others, you will begin to feel at peace because your limitless higher self has direct access to the divine. It is through this connection that miracles occur like unexpected healing, healthy relationships, peace, and wealth. So please use these tips. My tip for this week is in honor of our topic today. Carrie Rose Quartz, 
Rose quartz is emotionally healing in a gentle way. Wear a piece of rose quartz jewelry or carry a small piece with you in your pocket or purse. Experiencing the death of someone close to you is always difficult and emotionally trying. It doesn't even matter if you had a good relationship or not. In fact, an unhealthy relationship can make the death even more traumatic. It means the end of the hope that you would ever find peace or pleasure in this lifetime with that person. Although it is possible to heal once someone has moved to the spiritual plane, it still means that you are not able to fulfill a heartfelt wish for shared love while you were both here on earth. Regardless of the relationship, death takes an emotional toll. Ease it with rose quartz. Rose quartz is also helpful in releasing physical pain, which you will discover in my next workshop, Freedom from Pain. From headaches to arthritis to chronic back pain, I have removed the pain from my own body and have successfully helped my clients do the same. I have not taken any pain medication, even aspirin, in over 15 years. When we understand that emotions, thoughts, physical illness, and pain become bundled together, we can begin to truly heal. In this hands-on workshop, you'll experience several strategies to help you become pain-free, decrease your pain, and or feel relief in the moment. These are some of the strategies that you will experience. My ultimate creative problem-solving process, crystals, new breathing techniques, energy and color healing, guided meditation, sound healing, and crystal bowls. We'll be at CSL Dallas, the Center for Spiritual Living in Dallas, Texas on Saturday, April 22nd. And if you don't live in Dallas, contact me to present this workshop or another one in your area, like 21 Steps for Healing Your Body. Choosing to be positive, choosing to think, see, feel, and act in new and healthier ways is the heart of Uplift Your Life Nourishment of the Spirit. We all have choices, but we can't make the best choices for ourselves if we don't know what the options are. This show provides you with new information on health and healing with an emphasis on spirituality and the connection between our thoughts, emotions, and physical and mental health. We can all choose happiness, gratitude, abundance, love, peace, and positivity as we allow ourselves to know the truth of our own experiences and feel the pain of our past or present life and let it go. We open ourselves up to the joy of being fully alive in every moment. Moment We change the energy in our body and literally become younger and healthier, feel lighter and have more energy. We truly know and feel the joy, beauty, and love in our lives. My show helps you do that by providing you with new information, perspectives, and techniques, inspirational stories, and guests who are thought leaders in their field like our guest today. Lisa Smart, who will talk with us about dying as a sacred experience. Last week's show with Dr. Paulette Sherman taught us how sacred baths can improve our physical and spiritual life. Her recipes help you hear the still, small voice within and heal. They will help you create healthy relationships, love, money, peace, healing, and whatever you choose. Be creative and have fun. 
As one listener wrote, love, love, loved it. Thank you for giving those of us who have trouble with self-kindness permission to take a healing bath. I think Sylvia Plath said that there is nothing a hot bath can't fix. To listen to this show, I encourage you to click on the episode link on this page. You can hear this show or any others that you may have missed or want to listen to again. That's the beauty of having the shows on demand. You have easy access anytime, day or night, allowing you to listen when it fits your schedule or needs. And now for my silver lining story. After my mother's catastrophic stroke, she was fully alert for my sister and me while being completely unresponsive to hospital staff. If I hadn't been there, I would have assumed this was science fiction. My sister Gail believed we were communicating telepathically. I experienced it as soul communication. I had not been able to figure out what Mother's purpose on Earth was until she was dying. With her personality stripped away, the purity and sincerity of her mission became clear. Mother's life was about the primacy of family, giving to others, helping others, loving, feeling, giving joy and beauty, and living in harmony and peace. My love and respect for my mother deepened in those few days as I saw who she really was and the incredible strength, caring, and determination she had in completing her mission before she died. What she couldn't do in living, she was able to do in dying. She did respond to her regular doctor with whom she had a very warm relationship, almost like a mother and son. Because she tracked his flashlight with her eyes, he said, she'll speak and walk again. This was the glimmer of hope we hung on to for four days until the CAT scan confirmed what we already knew but didn't want to admit. The hope he gave us, however, was our entry into the most intense and sacred communication I have ever experienced. We nurtured her, brushed her hair, put on her favorite facial cream, and massaged her head when she let us know she had a headache. These little kindnesses were especially meaningful because Mother had difficulty accepting any gestures of love. She was the one who was supposed to be giving, not receiving. What do I need it for was her standard reply when we tried to give her even a small gift. In this situation, however, I told her she had always given to us and now it was our turn and our pleasure to give to her. She didn't need to worry anymore, only to sit back and enjoy receiving love. As I spoke, you could visibly see the worry lines and the resistance disappear as she settled back into her pillow. At the same time, there we were. At the same time that we were surrounded in a triangle of love, we were also in an intensive care room and could see all of the similar rooms in the unit. Of the eight patients, Mother was the only one who had visitors for more than a few minutes a day, and most had no visitors at all. The sadness of others dying all alone was very hard to witness. We were grateful we could do it differently and help our mother die. 
I with love. Toward the end of the week, Mother began to show signs that she was drifting farther and farther away from us. She didn't want us to hold her hand anymore, and her eyes were closed most of the time. At one point, I realized that she was only tracking Gail with her eyes. I had released Mother, and my sister hadn't. She was tracking Gail, waiting for her to be ready and willing to let her die. The deep caring and love that mother had for us was apparent as she patiently waited for Gail. There was no way that she was going anywhere until she knew her oldest daughter could handle it. My sister had heard me telling mother all the things she had accomplished in life and that her work was done. She and I had no unfinished business. Her future was between her and God, and I was at peace with her decision, whatever it was. She could stay here or move on to the next world. After listening to me, Gail asked if she should do the same thing. I told her it was her choice, but if she could say it from her heart, it would be good because I believed mother was waiting for her to release her. She could not, however, she should not, however, say it unless she really meant it. By the end of the day, Gail was ready to say goodbye and did. Just before we left, we looked at our mother and in the same instant turned to each other and said, she looks exactly like her mother. Neither of us had ever seen a resemblance before. In retrospect, I'm certain we saw her mother coming to help her transition. The fact that we both saw our grandmother's face in the same exact instant is too much of a coincidence for me to believe anything else. As we said goodnight, even though mother was paralyzed, she turned on her side, turning her back to us. Gail went back in and asked if she wanted company. Mother very clearly shook her head no and refused Gail's hand, just like earlier in the day when she had emphatically shook her head no when I asked her if she wanted to listen to her favorite music. She was ridding herself of her connection to this world and didn't want any stimulation that would keep her here. The five days that we had with Mother were sad, poignant, and joyous. It was like a private party only the three of us could attend. We came to each other in a new way. All of the irritants and jealousies that had been our history were gone. We stopped judging and started accepting, loving, and supporting each other. What Mother couldn't accomplish in living, together we accomplished in her dying. It was the most spiritual experience I had ever had. By the time she died, we were all at peace with her death. We knew that she had finished her work here, and although one is never truly ready to die, the struggle to survive was not worth it. Her choice was to be a vegetable or to move forward. When the nurse called early Saturday morning saying that she had had news, mother had died during the night, Gail said no. This is good news. The bad news was that she had a stroke. Our guest today, Lisa Smart, also knows about the powerful experience we can share with our loved ones as they approach death. Lisa is the author of Words at the Threshold. A linguist, educator, and poet, she founded the Final Words Project, an ongoing study devoted to collecting and interpreting the mysterious language people use as they are nearing death. She discovered what those words reveal about life 
death, and consciousness. Lisa co-facilitates workshops about language and consciousness at universities, hospices, and conferences with Dr. Raymond Moody, a world-renowned afterlife expert. I am your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you want to get uplifting messages between shows, please click on the link to like us on Facebook. In addition to posting all our shows, I post special uplifting messages to you, and I repost videos that will make you laugh, feel good about all the kindness in the world, fill your heart with the beauty of nature and animals, the delight of dance and music, and the joy of being alive with all of the violence, hurtful words, anger, and fear that's being spread, we must find a way to help ourselves stay positive. Only like and follow the people who add positivity to the world. The answer to hate is love. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. While listening to the commercials, use the link on this page to like us on Facebook. Then friend Paula Joyce, and I'll help you be part of the solution. Click on the link to read about and register for my next hands-on workshop, Freedom from Pain, or to schedule one in your area. Then go to Calendar of Events to see your question for today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Lisa Smart, who will talk with us about dying as a sacred experience. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission. Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call one 888 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Dr. Paula Joyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. 
If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I always appreciate hearing from you, my listeners. As a top-ranked show, when you choose to advertise with me, you reach hundreds of thousands of people. If this interests you or if you want to help sponsor the show or become part of the conversation today, please call 888-346-9141 or email drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. I value you and what you have to say, so please let me know what's on your mind and heart. And I hope you wrote down who in your circle is dying or losing a loved one. I'm so pleased to welcome Lisa Smart to talk with us about dying as a sacred experience. Lisa, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you, and it's wonderful to have you on because you have recognized what and and chosen to study what others have considered nonsense or irrelevant or just confusing. And I, I was wondering if you'd begin by just sharing some of what you were saying to me on the break because I think it's a good place of entry. Great. Well, you know, your story was, in your introduction, was so moving to me, and I just very much appreciate you sharing it. And, you know, what we know is there are many, many ways to communicate with those we love, and this becomes particularly true in those final days. And what you described, I have heard from so many people, and yet these stories have really not been shared as fully as I think they should be, because what you talked about is a kind of almost telepathic communication, and though on the surface it seemed that your mother was not responsive, and by all accounts it looks like there was no connection, indeed, as you described, it was some of the most powerful, heartfelt uh, communication you had had with your mother. And so, um, and I've heard that there is this very telepathic quality at end of life, and there's also a, a variety of fascinating communication forms or language forms as people die, anywhere from talking in metaphors to the kinds of soulful, silent language that many times we don't acknowledge but I feel exists in our lives from the times we from the time we were born. Uh, yes, and you know, as you pointed out, as we were talking during the break, that many people avoid contact with people who are dying because they don't know what to say. It just makes them uncomfortable, which deprives everyone of what could be a really meaningful and beautiful experience. It's absolutely true. You know, when you gave that description of the ICU room and it being empty and there were no visitors. It was such a stunning description and so accurate. And we know that um, what really what it is, the dying process to me magnifies the lessons of our lives. You know, in life we learn that really what it's about is about being fully present. And there is no time that is more challenging and more inviting in terms of us to fully live in presence. So the way you describe being so tuned in 
to your mother and the subtleties in terms of the communication, you know, the shift in her body and so forth, that kind of responsiveness allows us an entryway, I believe, into something more sacred. It made me think of my uh, daughter who, when her grandfather, my father, was dying, at one point my father started speaking almost poetically. Um, He said this sentence, there is so much so in sorrow. And (laughs) which was, you know, technically that's nonsense. But something was communicated. And I remember my daughter turning to me and she said, you know, Mama, being near Grandpa, it's like being in the company of souls. And there's language that emerges anywhere from metaphor to the kind of telepathic communication to interesting forms of repetition that occur as as people die um, that to me indicate that we are indeed among souls when we're at the bedsides of those who die. And so if we be, can, can be less afraid of, of those last hours or last days and walk into the room of the dying of those we love or those maybe we, we don't even know, but if we can walk into those rooms with a very open ear and heart, attuned to language, there are, there are so many ways we can connect. Well, and I I was laughing about the sow and sorrow because I really went into my creative mind rather than my literal language mind, and it was yeah. so beautiful, and, and it intuitively felt true. Yes. This is what I have discovered is through looking at the language, it is, I would call it the language of the heart and the language of the soul. And because we do hear the kind of language that we would hear most commonly in poetry. We hear metaphors. For example, um, the well-known dancer and choreographer Jeffrey Holder, just as he was taking his very last breath, turned to his son and said, arms two, three, turn two, three, swing two, three, down two, three. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes as people are dying, they use the signature metaphors or symbols of their own lives, almost as poets would use the symbols and metaphors that are important to to them. Um, And you hear people begin to speak in metaphors about a trip, which also indicates to me this whole idea that maybe indeed we are going home or going somewhere else after this world. You hear things like... um, Yellow bus, there's the bus. Who's driving that bus, Grandma? Not sure, not sure, but there's lots of angels. You hear things like, take me to the bus station. It's time to go home now. Or the boat has arrived. So these are very symbolic kinds of phrases that emerge for those who are dying who are still more verbal. So you see a range of responsiveness and communication. In your example, your mother was not that responsive in terms of spoken language. But you hear a whole range as people are dying from metaphoric language all the way to what I consider telepathic communication. Yes, and and I think, I mean, as you just said that, it occurred to me that people 
Possibly. I, I mean, this thought entered my mind, so I'll just say it. People may be given the kind of dying that they need to be able to communicate what they need to communicate and maybe hadn't been able to before. So without words, my mother was able to communicate what she had never been able to say with words. Mm, I really, really love that idea and that resonates very deeply with my research and also with my personal experience with my father because, you know, my father, I was inspired to do this research and establish the Final Words Project in 2014 and it was inspired by my father's passing. And what happened is my father was an extremely rational man, had a PhD in psychology um, was not inclined at all to spirituality. And yet I always had this feeling that he was a very, well, he was a very soulful person, a very deeply caring person. And in those last weeks of his life, he started talking about seeing angels in the room. And I almost felt that as he was describing angels, which opened up a more spiritual uh, reality for me, I also felt that there was this healing going on for my father in his final weeks because he was someone who was very, very, very afraid of death and and didn't believe anything existed beyond the threshold. So in those final weeks, I could see it was almost a gift for all of us to watch this transformational process go on with him where he connected with something greater and larger, you know, he would look up at the corners, and this is not uncommon, and he would point, and you were talking about, you used the word tracking um, with your mother, but he would track the feelings and, and, and refer to the angels. And three days before he died, he actually announced to us, enough, enough, the angels say enough, three days left. And indeed, three days later, he passed. So there was this whole... Um, sort of transformation for him and everyone around him in terms of deepening our own sense of the spiritual as he was passing. I, I love that, it, and, and it's so beautiful that people are able sometimes to wake up to, in, in, in that um, intense moment, um, expanded moment of the dying process, to sense and even see as, so to speak, the veil gets thinner as they um, leave this life um, and, and are transitioning. I think they're sort of like have a foot in each world, and so they can see and feel and hear what they couldn't before. It really seems that way. You know, I came into this work as a linguist, and so I, I filter uh, life through language. That's what I was trained to do. So what I've done is I've collected phrases and utterances from families and beloveds who were willing to share with me, and, um, and what you see is exactly that sense of being in two worlds, one type of language pattern that I discerned is something I called hybrid nonsense because technically it's nonsense. It doesn't make sense with what we know about this world, right, this three-dimensional world. But there are phrases such as, please massage my feet 
so I can get down into the rabbit hole. So one half of the sentence is based in this reality. Massage my feet, honey. And the second part was the rabbit hole, which, of course, no one, no one saw, right? Or get my camera. I need to take a picture of this. Well, we weren't sure what that this was, but we had the sense it was something much more remarkable than the hospital room. <laughs> get me my... Um, I, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to say that when I read Rabbit Hole, it, mm-hmm. as I was reading your book, it occurred to me that it was a reference to Alice in Wonderland, which was this fantastical world. Absolutely. You know, and one of the ironies um, for me is something I learned through Dr. Moody, who coined the term uh, near-death experience. He came upon the near-death experience because of his interest in Alice in Wonderland. Um, when he was, he got his first degree with a PhD in philosophy, and he was interested in nonsensical language, like the fantastical language you're describing of Alice in Wonderland. And when he was a medical student, he heard people who had near-death experiences come back from having died, right, and return. And people were speaking in almost uh, Alice in Wonderland-type ways. They were th- saying things like, I never felt as alive as when I was dead. <laughs> right? well, that sounds like, you know, that, that funny, strange Alice in Wonderland talk. Or when I was dead, it was like I was gone for a minute, but a whole eternity. So there were these very paradoxical phrases, and as he began to write them down and track them as a medical student, from those descriptions, he was able to discern the near-death experience. And in the same way, through tracking some of the more uh, unusual language patterns that occur at end of life, because the patterns that emerge are very different than what we see in, in living language, we find a collection of things um, maybe not necessarily always just the rabbit hole, which very much sounds like Alice in Wonderland, but we hear all sorts of fascinating phrases that have a nonsensical quality um, that, that gives you a feeling that there really is another dimension that we're entering in those final days. And, and maybe a dimension that is so, um, so magical that they don't have that it doesn't work with um, our logical language. That is exactly what it looks like to me. And, you know, one of the kinds of uh, language forms that emerges at the end of life is something called non-referential language, where people don't, where it's not clear what they're referring to. So, for example, my father said to me, this is, or not to me, excuse me, to his secretary. She came to visit two days before he passed. And he said, this is very interesting, Alice. I've never done this before. And ironically, her name was Alice. I'm just thinking we're talking about Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> but anyway, ironically, that was his secretary's name. But he said, this is very interesting. I've never done this before. And when I heard him use the word this, I thought, because I was writing down everything he was saying, because I was so curious about it as, a, as trained as a linguist as well as being a grieving daughter, and when I wrote down the word this, I thought, what is this this? 
Why doesn't he say dying? Why isn't he using the word dying? And you find a lot in the language of those who, in the, in, who are dying, um, this kind of non-referential language, like, it's not what you think. It's not what you think. What's the it? Or something, even uh, Roger Ebert, the film critic, he said to his wife, or wrote down as he was dying, it's all an elaborate hoax. But again, what's the it? So that's part of what I found in the final days, is people tend to use this non-referential language, which creates a sense of mystery about the this and the it's. What is it? Uh, yes, and, and maybe something um, that they don't know how to describe or maybe yeah. don't have enough information yet to describe because they're still betwixt and between, so to speak. I, I want to explore this in, in more depth with you after our break. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. While you're listening to the commercials, click on the link to sign up for my newsletter. you receive the free chapter on my ultimate creative problem solving from my best-selling book, which will help you release hidden fears and blockages to hearing your soul, your true self, your inner wisdom, healing at deep levels, and getting what you truly want in life. This process came to me in that space that Robert Moss talked about between sleeping and waking. It was a gift from the spiritual realm that helps my clients align their conscious and unconscious mind and move forward with ease and speed. They change from the inside out, creating lasting change and self-empowerment. Now in your paper, write down what you can do to make your loved ones dying a sacred experience. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Lisa Smart to talk more about dying as a sacred experience. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission. Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. listening to uplift your life nourishment of the spirit with dr paula joyce to reach the show today please call 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 
You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, and I hope you wrote down what you can do to make your loved ones dying a sacred experience. And I'm so glad we're here with Lisa Smart talking about this very topic and giving us ideas and ways into those conversations and those experiences. Lisa, during the break, you um, mentioned, uh, we were talking about your grandmother believing in angels and what she said to you as she was dying. I love it. Would you share it, please? Well, one of the things we know is people are dying. Oftentimes, they make final requests. And my grandmother loved chocolate. And uh, right before she passed, she asked that we shaved chocolate onto her tongue because she wanted to see the creator with a little sweetness in her mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And I I just, I love that. And I think that will be among my final requests also. (laughs) Well, I do too. And, And what a lovely thought to end one existence and move into another with, um, such a positive, joyful attitude. What a delight. I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, it, it was interesting when you were talking about um, final words. What flashed through my mind was a memory of when my father died, which was almost 40 years ago now. And, of course, they dealt with ICU and, mm-hmm. and dying in a very different way. So he was isolated. But as and mother, could, we could only go in, take turns like every, you know, we had a few minutes every hour somebody could go in. But as just as just before he passed, he yelled to the nurse, get my wife, get Molly. Mm-hmm. And and she um, he waited for her to come back for him to hold her hand as he was passing. Oh, that's so incredibly moving. Yes, you know, one of the things that um, I have found through my research, and now there's just, just recently some other researchers are looking at it more closely, but I've looked at it through the lens of language, is there's something called terminal lucidity. And oftentimes, though not always, but oftentimes right before someone passes, even if they're completely unresponsive, there'll be this small window of time where they'll be lucid again. They'll think clearly and communicate clearly. And there are stories where people who've been unresponsive might come up and look at their loved one and say, tell everyone I love them and I'm okay. There is one case of a hospice nurse whose mother was very, uh, was never told her daughter that she loved her. And at the very end, just before she died, she looked at her daughter and said, I love you. I'm so sorry. I never told you I love you. Mm. So it sounds like your father may have had this one lucid moment. And um, oftentimes what's remarkable to me about the words spoken in that window of time, that window of lucidity that can be anywhere from five minutes to even a whole day. People sometimes will have a whole day of lucidity. Um, What's remarkable, I have not one instance of the words 
that are spoken being negative or mean-spirited. You know, people don't say things like, oh, come here, hold my hand. I want to tell you what a terrible wife you've been my whole life, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's never that way. The words that are always spoken are either uh, conciliatory, ones of forgiveness, of love, of gratitude. One, I think the most dramatic case is uh, one gentleman shared with me that his Mother had Alzheimer's for several years and really felt that her communication was almost completely unintelligible for so many years. And then she went into a coma. And three days before she died, she got up a little bit, got up a little bit and looked at him and said, all the financial information you need to settle my account is in the drawer, third, you know, three drawers down. Mm. And that is remarkable how this woman, after years of not speaking intelligibly, right before she died in that window of lucidity, before passing, she had those words of guidance. So there is this um, phenomenon called terminal lucidity where people often, not always, have kind of a window of clarity and the words that are spoken are usually words of love. How beautiful. For some reason, this is um, triggering for me uh, some sort of commonality between the language of children and of the dying. Would you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes. There are two, two parts to that. One, you know, you had spoke in your introduction about the telepathic communication you felt you had. And there are researchers who have found that there's a kind of telepathic communication between mothers and their young infants and even toddlers. Because as we know, when we're young, we do not have the kind of language, a spoken language that we develop with time. So one thing we know is that mothers and infants and fathers um, and, and infants often have strong telepathic bonds at least nonverbal communication with their young ones. So children very early on seem to communicate at least nonverbally, if not telepathically, and they seem to be very connected to what might be called the unseen world. And we see this in some remarkable stories that people shared about their children um, in many ways, but this is a this is a little bit of a long account. Do we have time for me to read a couple paragraphs? Or? Yes. Yeah, it's just one story, but it really sums up what I found in my research. My wife died peacefully, quite beautifully. Soon after her passing, my daughter pointed to the bedroom ceiling and said, Look! Look at all the birds! That seemed very significant to all of us in the room as if beings were coming to help her wherever it is we go. The next night, my daughter slept with me, and then in the middle of the night, there was a big thud as she fell onto the floor. This woke me up with a start and was very unusual for her. I asked her what had happened. She told me, I saw Gijo on the ladder going up, and she was on the top, and I wanted to go with her, but she said, no, no, honey. You have to go back down. With those words, the young girl fell to the floor. Mm. So it seems that this young toddler saw her mother who had passed away on a ladder going upward, but warning her that it was not, that there was a barrier that could not be crossed. 
but she had seen tuned in to an unseen world that seems to reappear to the dying. Well, it makes sense to me because often children will um, make references to a past life. They have knowledge they can't have otherwise, or they talk about angels freely, and then they get shut down. I think the window is, uh, um, is open early on in life and late in life and somehow we shut children down so that they close that window that they have so much easy access to when they're little. Yes, and, you know, I wonder if, you know, when we're born, we have the capacity to speak and understand or um, 800 phonemes, that's a little bit of sound, right? A phoneme is a, a sound. We have the capacity for 800 sounds. There's this great potentiality. And then as we learn our native language, that becomes reduced. For example, in English, there are only 44 phonemes, only, you know, a much smaller uh, span of sounds. And I almost have the sense that as we learn literal language, the language of this world it's almost with every year as language becomes crystallized, that ability to connect with that other uh, uh, almost telepathic or non-verbal form of communication becomes reduced. So, you know, I know in conversations I've had with psychics, they talk about the most reliable information they get. It often comes in pictures, not in words, in symbols. And sometimes those symbols are actually very nonsensical and kind of funny, and and psychics learn to interpret their own communications that they receive. And it seems to me that children come into the world with this more symbolic, non-spoken, non-linguistic communication or symbolism. And as we learn language, it's almost as sort of that left-brain language is solidified and crystallized, that other, maybe right brain or that other part of our brain that receives information without language begins to be diminished. So that's part of, you know, there seems to be two parts of the brain that may correspond to two different ways of accessing information. And I believe we still have the capacity throughout our lives to be open to both. But um, many ways we're, uh, we're um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, we're, we're discouraged from doing so. Exactly. And that's what I mean by shut down because, you know, we're told that's not right. We don't want to be embarrassed in front of other people or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we um, tell our children that's just fantasy or whatever. Um, so, yes, I think there is a way that we can keep both sides of our brains active if we are willing to. Um, think in broader ways and not so literally. There are times when we need the literal and there are times when we need the fanciful and the fantastical. (laughs) No, it's absolutely true. And, you know, I feel I do not, you know, who am I to say what's real and what's not? You know, when you hear the dying 
Um, they speak, well, for example, there was a research study by the Center for Hospice and Palliative Care in 2014, and they have determined that a very, like, about 70% of the dying have visitations from loved ones who come to take them home. I mean, that's a very, very high percentage. And what I have found in the final words research, something, something very similar. I heard things like, Mom, Mom is here with me now. Or there's a young woman standing at the foot of my bed who wants to take me home. And you hear these things, or even can you hear those bells ringing? Or even, it's so beautiful, it's so beautiful. You hear people describe visions and visitations that um, that we may not see, but does it mean it does not exist? I'm inclined to think that something else does exist after doing this research. Well, I would agree with you, and we're um, just about at the end of this uh, portion of our show, but I just want to add to that that um, I have a cousin who uh, passed away less than a month ago, and I, he was in a coma, so there was no direct communication. But I had a vision of his grandmother, who was my mother's sister, and this young man and I were both named after her older son who died in the war in World War II. And I saw her holding him on his on her lap and comforting him. Oh, that that is beautiful. Um, yeah, maybe I heard. Maybe in the next segment we could talk about shared death experiences, which is something you're describing. Something Dr. Moody has has uh, coined. I- uh, okay, we're going to have you back on the show to discuss that topic because we, <laughs> we're, we're, it's my um, two minutes left to say thank you to my audience. So first, thank you, and this isn't goodbye. We'll have you back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It's been a complete pleasure. Thank you so thank- much. Thank you, um, and thank you all for joining us. There's you all for the. I'm I'm a Texan now for joining us for uplift your life nourishment of the spirit. If you enjoyed today's show, please click on the link to like us on Facebook. Then click on the link to my resources page to purchase Lisa's book and go to my store to purchase my books. Then learn about my services, including coaching, speaking, hands-on healing, remote healing, past life regressions, or to sponsor or one of my workshops, such as Overcoming Abuse Through Self-Empowerment, Finding Silver Linings, The Ohm Awakening. And if you mention this show, you get a 10% new client discount on my coaching, which I do in person over Skype or on the phone. When you work with me, you get support, guidance, and healing from the spiritual realm, the archangels, angels, and guides of a high and positive spiritual nature work through me and directly with my clients. My process helps you remove hidden blockages and connects your mind, body, and soul, resulting in faster progress and profound healing, emotionally, mentally, and physically. My private and corporate clients improve their finances, health, and relationships. Click on the link to contact me and see for yourself. Then click on the link to register for my workshop, Freedom from Pain, or to schedule one in your area. 
click on Ask Dr. Polly email to send me an email with your questions or comments. If you live in Dallas, click on the meetup link to join my Ultimate Creative Problem Solving meetup group. And if you want to come to our Love Frequency Circle on April 15th, it's at, click on the link um, to the Love Frequency Circle for more information and to RSVP. Please join us next Thursday right here when Kak Young will tell us about how to use essential oils for physical, emotional, and spiritual health. And on April 20th, when Maria Felipe will talk about how to be happy in the midst of problems. And April 27th, when um, for weary parents, joy fixes for weary parents. This is Dr. Pauly, your CM or chosen mom is designated by Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. All is loved. Just let that feeling wash over you and through you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until then, have a positive week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.